debated about uh, whether I'd come back here or not. I'm not preaching through Galatians or anything like that. Just had this chapter on my heart. But I uh, did feel like the Lord gave us. We got through verse number 10 last Sunday night. And I just felt like maybe we ought to pick up verse 11 and following this morning. And so Galatians chapter 1, I'll let you remain seated. I want to read this chapter again just because I like reading it. And uh, it's good. Give us a little context. So Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not of men... Neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God our Father and our Father to whom be glory Forever and ever, amen. And we preached out of those verses on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. Verse 6, I marvel that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was uh, preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of a man, neither was I told it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my past, of my conversation and past in the, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them, which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother." Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. And afterward I, afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Sicilia and was made known by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he, which had persecuted us in past times, now preacheth uh, the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this chapter that we have just been trying to study and read the last week and a half or so. And I thank you for the truths in it. I pray that you help us to mine out and give out uh, what you want us to give today. And, Lord, leave those things alone that you don't have us say. Give us a traveling mind in the Scriptures. Uh, Lord, help us stay true to our context and to our thought today. And I pray if there is one here today that's lost, that does not know you as our personal Savior, Lord, I pray that you would deal with their heart and show them their need for you. Show them that there's no life... 
that's worth living apart from the life to live for Jesus Christ. And what you do, we'll thank you and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We mentioned last Sunday morning, I'm just going to give you a, a quick review uh, and then we'll get into our new material uh, for this morning. But as we come to this epistle of Galatians, we know that Paul is the human penman. And Paul is writing to not just one church at Galatia, but a group of churches at Galatia that he visited on his first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14. And what had happened is Paul had come in and preached the gospel, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were many people that believed and were saved. And from those people that believed, Paul started churches in those communities. By the way, that's how it's supposed to be. A bunch of people get saved. A church ought to be started somewhere if there ain't a church. Amen. So that's what Paul did in this text. They started the church and then Paul was corresponding with them. But Paul leaves and Paul Paul has to go because Paul is not necessarily a full-time pastor. He is a, a evangelist, if you would. He goes around preaching the gospel, establishing churches, encouraging the churches that he has started. And so while he's going, he hears that some people have snuck in to those churches that he established uh, around Galatia and they have brought with them a false doctrine. They have brought with them some heresy. They have brought with them, if you would, some poisonous weeds that they're trying to put into uh, the church and trying to infiltrate them. And here's what it was. Uh, the whole book of Galatians talks about it, but it's in a sentence or two. They were teaching that, uh, yes, Jesus can save you, and yes, salvation is by grace, but you've also got to keep the law. You've also got to keep Moses' law. And they talked about the circumcision and things of that nature, and you had to do this. In other words, they were saying, yeah, you have to have Jesus plus this. By the way, there are still people that teach that. That today they say yeah you got to have Jesus but you got to have water baptism on top of it or they'll say well yes you need Jesus uh, but you got to join the church on top of it or, or yes you got to have Jesus uh, but you got to do this and this and this in order to be saved may I say this if you get saved I believe you ought to get baptized it's believers baptism but let me remind you that the thief on the cross he got saved but Jesus didn't baptize him just to look at that fellow and say, hey, pull those nails out your hand and feet. We'll go find us a pool of water somewhere and we'll dunk you so you can go to heaven. No, I said it last week. Uh, uh, I think it's Spurgeon said that man's hands were bound so he couldn't work his way to heaven. His feet were bound so he couldn't walk his way to heaven. And so all he had to do was to trust Jesus Christ. By the way, that is what salvation is. It is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for your eternity salvation and so they were sneaking in giving this doctrine we looked at verses 1 through 3 last week about the man of God how he was a called man he was a commissioned man the companions the church won't go through all that again we talked about in verses 4 and 5 the message of the gospel I love verse number 4 who gave himself for our sins you better thank God because he could not give himself for his sins uh, because he had no sins but he gave himself for our sins Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, verse chapter 5 verse 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him aren't you glad when you couldn't pay for your sin when you couldn't work your way to heaven when you couldn't earn your way to heaven Jesus came and he took your place there at Calvary and he bled and he died and he rose again on the third day and he offers the gift of salvation Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 9 15 thanks 
thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Somebody said that that uh, at Christmas time that gift giving is just a tradition that's been passed down. I'm going to tell you the first gift that was ever given was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger in Bethlehem on that starry night. And God did not go and try to find the cheapest way out like we do at Christmas time. Somebody help me. Amen. Oh no, He gave the very best that He had. One man said the Son of God died at the hands of the sons of men so the sons of men could become the sons of God. God gave the very best that heaven had. I'll tell you, aren't you glad that Jesus was enough for your salvation? That's the message of the gospel. And Sunday night, we dealt with verses five, 6 through 10 with the mistake at Galatia. We talked about how these Judaizers had snuck into the church and they were preaching another gospel. But Paul is quick to remind us it is not another. We said this Sunday night, but that word another is the same word that Jesus will use when he said, I'll send you another comforter, implying one just like me. And Paul said, that gospel that they are preaching is not what I preach to you. It is not another gospel. He said, but there are men that trouble you and that will pervert the gospel. And we spent most of our time Sunday night uh, talking about the troublemakers and the perverts. Amen. Those that want to trouble people and they make their living uh, trying to uh, bother people about their... Hey, I believe in confrontational preaching amen I believe if you I, I believe a preacher ought to get up and tell people what sin is and tell them what sin will do to you and tell you where sin will take you if you don't turn to Christ but I don't preach doubt and I don't try to confuse people we let the word of God be the final authority what the Bible says that's what we go with at the end of the day amen but Paul dealt with these folks and Paul said in verse number 10, he said, for do I now persuade men or God? He said, I'm not trying to make friends. He said, and I'm not trying to be popular. He said, but I'm going to take care of these churches that I've established. So we see the pastor's heart that Paul has there. But this morning, that's all, that's all introduction and, and review. This morning, Paul is, and we're preaching on the authenticity of the gospel. That's what I've entitled this, this message that's taken me three services to get through. The authenticity, because he says in verse number 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. He said, I'm not preaching another gospel, but I am preaching the authentic gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May I remind you, the gospel is not humanitarian efforts. Thank God for those things. Thank God for those that are loading up on trucks right now heading to Florida and God speed and may God give them safety but that is not the gospel. That, that The gospel is preaching the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what the gospel is. I understand there's the gospel of the kingdom. I understand there's the everlasting gospel but the only gospel that matters in our dispensation is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said I certify you that Christ died and he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. Amen. You know, it's a lot of tracks. They call them gospel tracks, but they leave Jesus hanging on a cross. I believe a gospel track ought to tell people uh, and make sure that the resurrection is implied. Amen. Amen. I'm going to make sure all of our tracks say that, come to think of it, I, because we can't have a dead, a dead Savior don't do anybody any good. Amen. He had to get up again. Amen. And so Paul's dealing with all this false doctrine. And Paul begins in verse number, verse number 11 to the rest of the chapter and said, um, 
Let me just give you my personal testimony. Let me tell you, and this is what I call the manifestation of glory. Paul is saying, let me tell you what this gospel did for me. Let me tell you why I'm not preaching another gospel. Let me tell you why I believe that this gospel that I preach to you is the gospel that can change your life. Paul talks about, first of all, the revelation. In verses 11 through number verses number 14, he said, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man for I neither received it of a man neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ for ye have heard of my convert conversation and past in the Jews religion how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited the Jews religion above many of my equals in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers Paul is saying he said I want to remind you that I was first of all he said I was a religious man Verse number 13, for you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. Paul wasn't out drinking and carousing and doping and cheating on his wife and beating his family. Paul was a religious man. In fact, in the book of Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he said, let me tell you why I thought I was good. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is the law, blameless. Paul said, I lived a perfect life. Now we all chuckle at that because we know there ain't nobody perfect, but Paul was living as close to the letter of the law that he could. He memorized the first five books of the Bible as a 12-year-old boy. Memorized them. He is a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest theological mind that Israel had to offer in that day. And Paul said, I'll tell you, I was religious, all right. Paul was relating this congregation that if anyone could have trusted in the law to get them to heaven, it could have been Paul. Paul said, I'm telling you right now, wasn't nobody better than me. That's a prideful statement. Well, most religious people are prideful. <laughs> kind of goes together. And Paul said, I'm telling you, if anybody could trust in their flesh, if anybody could have trusted in their religion to give them to heaven, Paul said, it was me. He was religious, but he was ruthless. Verse number, verse number 13, that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. The word wasted there means to destroy. He will give his testimony. And by the way, Paul liked giving his testimony. He'll give his testimony again. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 13, he will say, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. In this verse we learn Paul is a blasphemer. That word blasphemer means to speak evil, reproachful. He was brutal. He was a persecutor. Acts 22, verse 4, Paul said, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Here's what Paul would do. Paul would walk into an assembly like this where the church was meeting and the gospel was being preached. He'd begin to grab men and women from, from the seats, leave their children behind. He'd put them in prison. He'd kill them. That's a ruthless. He was our modern-day ISIS, if you would. Modern-day religious fanatic going out and killing people. And he thought he was doing right. He was religious. He was ruthless. He was boastful. He said, I've done injurious 
He was blind. He said, I did it ignorantly in an unbelief. He was religious. He was ruthless, but he thought he was right. Verse 14 of Galatians 1, and prophet in the Jews' religion, above many of mine equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly jealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul said, there wasn't anybody better than me when it came to enforcing the law and walking in the law. Paul said, I thought I was right. You know, we referenced Philippians chapter 3 just a moment ago where Paul said, I was circumcised the eighth day, all this stuff. But then he continues in verse number 7 of that same chapter. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He said, all those things in my religion, all those things I was doing when I met Jesus, when I realized the gospel, when I had a head-on collision with God, I realized it did not matter. He said, yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be, watch it now, and being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Paul said, I come to realize my religion wasn't enough. My rules wasn't enough. Keeping the law wasn't enough. And I don't want to be found in my own righteousness because the Yes, I can do. My righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. But Paul said, now I am found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul's revelation. Wearsby said that Paul in this text examined his own life and became an auditor. And, and opened the book to see what wealth that he had and discovered he was bankrupt in the religion. But there was riches in Christ. We find he was religious. He was ruthless. He thought he was right. But thank God he got redeemed. Verse number 12. For neither I received it of a man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, it wasn't another gospel that got Paul saved. But it was by the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Philip said, that's what had saved him. Grace and grace alone. In a flash, the light dawned. It was not law. It was grace. It was not works. It was faith. It was not Moses. It was Christ. It was not Sinai. It was Calvary. It was not earned. It was a gift. It was not trying. It was trusting. It was not the rules, rituals, or religion. But however, it hedged both on truth and tradition. It was by the means of the undeserved, undiluted, undying grace of God. His gospel was received on the Damascus road by the revelation of Jesus Christ Paul quit doing doing, doing, doing and found out that Jesus cried out from that bloody hillside it is finished Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering. Watch this phrase now. For a pattern to them which should believe on him, hereafter should believe on him to everlasting life, ever, life everlasting. A pattern. Only if a man here sows. If you do, I didn't know about it because I'd let you hem, hem the pants that I bought this week. Amen? I wouldn't have paid $12. <laughs> but uh, if you sow, you got a pattern that you go by. You got, and what that pattern is, uh, or if you're designing something, you have a pattern to lay out. And that pattern tells you you want to look just like that. Well, Paul said, when God saved me, my salvation experience is a pattern yep. Yep. how God saves people. Yes. 
now what, how did Paul get saved? Well, we don't, you read it all, but Acts 9, it was involved a divine interruption. Paul's going on his day. Paul's going down the Damascus Road to persecute Christians, and all of a sudden, God interrupted him. Do you remember the day when God interrupted your life? You were going on the way to hell. You were fine. You thought you was okay. But God interrupted your life. You thought you was all right. You thought everything was okay. But God interrupted. And that interruption led to illumination. Acts 9.3, that light shined on him. Now the great light above the brightness of the sun, Paul would say later. Somebody said, preacher, I didn't see no light when I got saved. Oh, the gospel, the light, the gospel light was shining, amen. That, an in, that in, interruption and illumination led to identification. He said, uh, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. <laughs> so the sinner was there and the Savior was there. Them two people got to be there, somebody going to get saved. And the Spirit, amen, amen. And then it led to divine instruction. He said, arise. He said, and, and advance, he said, you go. And he said, he said in Acts 9, verse 6, he said, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Obedience is involved. Now, God did not knock you off your donkey when you got saved. And God did not shine a light from heaven when you got saved. And God did not speak from heaven when you got saved. But I will say this, God knocked you off your donkey when you got saved. And God shined the light from heaven when you got saved. And God spoke out of heaven when you got saved. So I said, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you, it was not sensational like what Paul had. But God interrupted your life. And God shone the light of the gospel on your sin. And the darkness comprehended it not. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And God spoke through His Word. And you obeyed the gospel. You know what you did? You got saved the same way Paul got saved. This making any sense. So there's this, there's the revelation, verse 15 and 16 of Galatians 1. There's the separation. But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. And called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Can I say this to you, touching back that last point? We don't sensationalize salvation. Yeah, that happened all to Paul, but Paul didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible. God done things different before there was a Bible. But now he works through his word. His word is the light. His word does the speaking. I said it last Sunday, God spoke from heaven Every time, God, every time we come in this church and open that Bible, God's speaking from heaven because the Bible said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Yeah. So this separation, we find that this is Paul's calling in the ministry. He was chosen. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, in Acts 9, the Lord said about Paul, he is a chosen vessel. He was called and called me by his grace. You consider what Paul did before he got saved, how wicked he was. Think about this, Paul went and preached in churches, Brother William, and looked at the faces of children that he killed their mom and daddy. You talk about struggling with your past. You talk about struggling with what you did. Imagine Paul getting up, recognizing a boy, I, I recognize him. He shakes his hand after the service in our mind's eye. Son, do I know you? Yes, sir. You met me before you got saved killed my mom and dad that's what Paul did Talk about, I wonder if that's why Paul said forgetting those things which are behind I press toward the mark 
You can't let that past hold you down. If it's forgiven, if God's put it under the blood, you've got to walk on in victory. If anybody knows anything about that, Paul does. And it was by the grace of God that God would call somebody like Paul to preach. Somebody who lived so wicked. Somebody who'd done so many horrible things. Unspeakable things. And God said, I'm telling you, I'm going to save that man. I'm going to call him to preach. And I'm going to make him the greatest preacher of the New Testament besides John the Baptist. In fact, he's going to write more books in the New Testament than anybody. He's going to have a ministry that's going to wrap around the world. He's going to have converts that will outlast his life. I tell you, that is nothing more than God's grace. That God would go beyond our faults and God would see our need. And then God would allow us to be used for him. He was commissioned to reveal his son in me. Boy, I like this. That I might preach among the heathen. If you write in your Bible, right there next to, the word, right next to that word heathen, you can just write your name. Because the Jews saw the heathen as the Gentiles. That's what we are this morning. We're just a bunch of heathen. But aren't you glad God thought enough he sent us a preacher? He sent us a preacher by the name of the Apostle Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. There's the revelation and the separation. I've got to hurry. There's the dedication. Verse number uh, where am I at? Verse number six, uh, 17. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are apostles before, but I went into Arabia and returned and again to Damascus. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lied not. Afterwards, I came to the regions of Caesarea and Assyria and Sicilia. So the preacher, what's he saying here? Paul's saying, after I got saved and after God called me, I got busy. I started doing what God told me to do. Hey, by the way, if you're saved, if God saved you, you ought to get busy doing what God's told you to do. Paul said immediately, he said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't see if anybody could talk me out of it. You know, if you feel like God's told you to do something, there's nothing wrong with seeking godly counsel. But if you're not careful, sometimes you'll go to somebody hoping they'll talk you out of what God's told you to do through his word. And when I say God told you to do something, it's always going to line up with his word. It ain't never going to be something out in left field. I've heard some guys talk about God told him something. I'm like, that's not even left field. That's like in the hot dog stand in the far corner of left field. It ain't in the ballpark, honey. God ain't not going to tell anybody to do anything that's contrary to that word. Amen. Amen, that's right. And Paul said, I just got busy about it. So that's the manifestation of glory. Last of all, in this chapter, there is the miracle of grace. We've already touched on this a little bit. As we close out this chapter, Paul says, uh, there's a lot of things that happens. Let me give you a rundown. Paul gets saved in Acts 9. He goes to Ananias' house. He receives his sight. He goes to the synagogue and preaches that Jesus is Christ. Then he goes into the deserts of Arabia for three years. We don't have record of that. Somebody said, what was that? It was God's school in Paul. And then he come back to Damascus to preach, and they wanted to kill him, and that's when they had to let him out by a basket, and that's when Paul just kicked it off and took off. And set the world on fire for Jesus. But there's a, and, and preachers, even in Paul, there was a time of isolation that nobody saw, nobody knew about, nobody wrote about it. Paul didn't get to write about it. Paul just, God just had Paul over here in the corner. The great Apostle Paul. So that means there's times when a preacher has to sit and learn. That's not fun. But you, waiting time's not wasted time. So, in verses 21 through 24, he said, I come back to Syria and Sicilia. N- notice his reputation. 
verse 22, and was unknown by faith unto the church of Judea, which are in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past. Can you imagine? They heard him. Hey, that, that fellow Paul's coming. Paul, Paul. Hey, that, that fellow that killing all them Christians. Yeah, that's his reputation. But there's his regeneration. The verse don't end there. Which had persecuted us in times past. Watch this next phrase. Don't miss your Bible. Now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. Brother Richie says something good before Sunday school. He says some preachers preach so bad, all they need to do is just get up and just read the Bible and be quiet. This would be a great chapter to read and just sit down and be quiet. They had heard that man that once persecuted us and tore our churches and killed our families and, and took our men and our women and put them in prison. He's now preaching the faith that he once destroyed. Saul once persecuted the church, but Paul's now preaching to the church. He was once obtaining letters to destroy the church, but now he's writing letters to develop the church. He was once beating the body, but now he's blessing the body. He was once attacking the church, but now he's attending the church. He was once hurting the church, but now can you name a preacher that has been more help? God revealed the mystery of the local church to the man that was trying to kill it. That is nothing more than a miracle of grace. And there's the rejoicing. You know what they did? Verse 24, and they glorified God. They said, praise God, Paul got saved. Paul, we remember you. We remember what you did. But thank God, Paul, you got saved. They can't explain him. And some of you, they can't explain you. They know what you used to be. They know what you used to do. They know all about your past, where you used to go, how you used to live. But now they see you at Walmart now. They see you at Cracker Barrel now. And they can't figure out why you look like you do, why you walk like you do, why you talk like you do, how God's blessed you with a family and a home. They can't figure it out. But they know it wasn't some another gospel that done, but you can tell them it was because of Calvary. It was because of the blood. It was because Jesus. Jesus' blood went deeper than the state of sin ever gone. Thank God for that this morning. And they glorified God. They said, thank God Paul got saved. Hallelujah, Paul got born again. You know what that tells him this morning? Don't quit praying. Paul was pretty bad, wasn't he? But don't quit praying for those lost loved ones. Don't quit praying for those who don't know the Lord. That you feel like they just keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the more you pray, the worse they get. And the more, the, pray, the more you pray for them, the farther they go. Because God reached down in Acts 9. We heard Brother Dean preach this. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. And Brother Dean, being Brother Dean, asked me and Brother Richie, in the service in front of 200 people, you think you really was the chief? <laughs> and we're like, uh, this is a trick question. <laughs> he said, do you think he was the chief? Of sinners, the worst sinner that ever was? Or Paul just felt that way? He said it could be the way, but think about this. Paul was trying to kill the body of Christ while it was still in the womb. He, he was doing his best to destroy the church. But I'm going to tell you how big God is and how much grace and how much love God has. That man that God should have sent to hell, he reached further down than Paul could reach up. Paul's trying to be religious. Paul's trying to do the right. He's trying to do all these things. He's keeping the list. He's doing all that. And thank God for the list. We'll get to that later. You ought to have a list. And all of us need a longer list than what we have. But the list don't save us. And Paul's doing all these things, trying to get and trying to earn. 
And God said, I'm going to tell you something, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. He said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Paul just broke said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God, God saved him. God called him to preach. Filled him with the Holy Ghost. And sent him to preach the gospel. God still saves old sinners. You got one you're praying for this morning? One you feel like, are they ever going to get saved? I wonder who was praying for Paul. I know Stephen was. Stephen at the stoning, uh, uh, when Stephen was being stoned, Saul's standing there holding them coats. And Stephen prayed, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And I don't think Paul ever got away from that. I believe it haunted them all the way to the Damascus Road. I'm trying to quit, but I can't get over that miracle of grace. It is a miracle that you're here this morning. It is a miracle that God's got you in this church and that, and that most, everybody, most everybody in this, I would say probably 90% of the folks in this building have been in church most of their life. It's, uh, on and off, very few people, and we, and we have some first-generation Christians in our church. And I'm not throwing off on them. But even, even them, most of them are young, in their 20s and their 30s. And God, of all the people, and we're not Calvinists, amen, but of all the people, he could have saved he saved you. You think about the miracle of God's grace. Can I just... Y'all right? Ain't nobody here but us. The miracle of God's grace. God let me preach in a church I'm preaching in this week on a Wednesday night. So Michael and Ashley Caldwell would meet me and then a year later move up here and then God saved Miss Ashley. Some miracle of grace. God let me meet that girl back there on Facebook. She got saved. Her mama got saved. We're praying for Wade to get saved. No, I'm just kidding. That's a miracle of grace. God let me walk in a hospital. You got saved. You got saved. You got saved. Them girls got saved. It is a miracle of grace. God let churches shut down for COVID and let things happen so this couple would come and she got saved. Do you see how God just works things and goes directions and does things? And I, There's only one way to heaven. But there's many ways to the way sometimes. And God leads different ways and God's directing things and God's making this situation happen and leading to this and leading to this. Why is He doing all that? Because He's trying to get you to your Damascus road so He can shine the light of the gospel so you can be saved. God let a church split nine ways from Sunday. So that couple will come to our church and Brother Eric got saved. Your testimony, you could, you could look back at your life, the little things. God let a man knock on my, on my grandparents' door in 1972 on a Saturday morning that got my uncle on a bus and took him to church. And my uncle got saved. And my grandma and grandpa went to church the next Sunday with two twin boys in the back seat that were three years old. And one of them was my daddy. And my grandpa got right with God. And my grandma got right with God. And they got in church. And here I am today. What is that? That is a miracle of grace. Well, preacher, I didn't have a Damascus Road. God didn't knock me off. I'll tell you, if you're saved this morning, it is a miracle. 
people will live and die five minutes from this church and go to hell. And God allowed you to be in this place. And God, and what, if you didn't get saved here, God let you get to the place where you could get saved. You know what that is? It is a miracle of God's grace. No wonder John Newton said, it's amazing grace. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. Caden, come lead us in amazing grace. It's page 57 in that red book.